generate is supporting my vision to improve the financial literacy of 100,000 Kiwis by sponsoring Keep the Change. Cheers, Generate. Head to generatekiwisaver.co.nz forward slash change to find out more. Getting in the KiwiSaver fund that suits you and your situation is key to making sure you're maximising your investment. Generate are an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of long-term performance and they can help you do exactly this. Their advisors can meet with you to talk about all your options when it comes to KiwiSaver to help you decide what's best for you. Too many people never get KiwiSaver advice, but not you. Go to generatekiwisaver.co.nz forward slash change to book a no-obligation chat with a Generate advisor. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited. And of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. Yes, indeed. Welcome back. You are listening to another episode of the Keep the Change podcast, Money Mail, episode number 103. The world is a changing very, very quickly. Now, welcome back because you might have thought that I've uh, ditched you all and run off and hid and gone, I'm not doing this anymore. But that's not the case. If you listen to the last podcast, you will know that I was in at work after being away for a number of days at a wedding, and I'd completely changed up my routine. I was explaining how sometimes it's good in life to just throw your world into chaos and just do things that you ordinarily wouldn't do and see what you notice. Now, that was all good and well until I got home after recording that pod and doing some other work. And my girlfriend was feeling very touch and go. I was going to say very unwell, but like that just makes it sound more dramatic than what it was. And we did the old rat tests. Positive. Oh, God. Well, I wasn't positive at that stage, but uh, we live in a small apartment and it was probably inevitable that I was going to grab that. So uh, COVID positive. Now, what's interesting, I guess, is that the 10 days before I had gone away and drinking, like I told you, most days, you know, not like excessively and stuff, excessively on a few of those occasions, uh, wedding and whatnot, it was out of my routine, I wasn't exercising, I wasn't going to the sauna, these are all things that I do uh, every day, just about every day, at least sort of five, six times a week. And I take uh, a number of supplements as well, but I started to run out of those, I didn't take all of them away with me. And my sleep ring that tracks my health every day is going like, fuck, mate, you need to slow down. You're, um, you're, you're at 40% of your best. You're at 50% of your best. You're absolutely wrecked. And I was just getting up, getting out of bed, and just getting into kind of like the next day of, uh, of the wedding season and, the, and the, the travel and whatnot. So I was, I was massively run down. And I guess the outcome was then I ended up getting COVID. Now, Maybe it's just coincidence, and maybe it would have happened anyway if I hadn't been drinking, um, if I had stayed in Auckland, who knows, but um, I actually didn't get too bad, but I was quite like blocked up and stuff, and it was going to make it really hard to record a podcast. Even now, I've whacked in a bit of nasal spray and cleared the nose so that I can actually talk for half an hour, and I've got a couple to record. I did uh, three podcasts yesterday as well for other 
um, projects, next advisory and whatnot. So um, I didn't think I could squeeze in another couple yesterday as well. But um, yeah, interesting. Uh, I hope your COVID experience hasn't been too bad. I'm not looking forward to getting it again, you know, isolating for seven days. It actually was quite nice because I didn't exercise again, just, just really rested. But I did a lot of work and it was just like a working from home. It was kind of like back in lockdown again. And uh, we had enough food and supplies and things like that as well. So everything was, was kind of easy for us. And I know that a lot of people um, you know, would do it a lot tougher and have a worse experience of COVID than us. But um, I hadn't been boosted, just to, be, to give you some further detail. I'd had the first two uh, jabs and mostly out of knowing that um, you know, we we're going to have to do that to continue to participate in society, including travel and things. And I just never really got around to getting my booster. And I also didn't like the um, the change in the methodology around like, oh, yeah, have it in six months. Oh, no, have it in four. Oh, actually, have it in three. And I'm like, this is a bit, like, there's not much certainty here. And I don't really like uh, a lack of certainty. I'm not anti that stuff. But I just thought, hmm, I'm, like I've told you before, if I die, I die, is what it is. I'm not scared of that. I think that's a great place to get to in life. Um, and I mean, I don't want to, but if it was to happen, it was to happen. So I was just like, well, you know, I'm probably going to get COVID at some stage. So um, let's just, just carry on and see how we go. So if I have to get another one at some stage, like I'm not saying I'm not going to do that, but I just didn't like the changing narrative around the booster thing. I thought I might just take my chances. So I didn't actually get that sick, which is good. Uh, I like to consider myself very healthy, very uh, eat pretty well, pretty clean, take a hundreds of very lucky hundreds of dollars worth of supplements every month. Do they do anything? Fuck knows. But what I can tell you is that before um, before being massively run down after going away and getting out of my routine and not taking them and not saunering and stuff like that, uh, I was in contact with so many people, so many people who had COVID, ended up getting it in the next couple of days after I saw them, blah, 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 and I'm just waiting for myself to get sick, and it didn't happen. So uh, interesting observation, but um, we soldier on and might be immune for the next 90 days or something. I'm very lucky with the timing because I'm now going overseas a couple of times over the next couple of months, which would be quite nice to see uh, what it's like to get back on the old international travel, see what my brain does whilst on a plane for that long as well. Uh, and come up with some other ideas for things that we could be doing around Keep the Change and teaching and educating more people around finances and different things. So that's kind of where I've been, and I know that uh, not all of you care, so I appreciate you hanging in there as we get into this lesson. But over these next couple of weeks, I wrote about what I can see happening out there in the market and in the economy, and I assume that sort of 80 to 90% of Money Mail listeners, that they don't go looking for this information. So this content, I'm trying to almost forewarn you where we're going as an economy, as a country, with challenges, what's happening around the world. And that's sort of what the next two or three lessons are going to be about. Because I want you to be educated on uh, the next six to 12 months, not get into it and go, how, like, what the hell, how did this happen? I'm only just hearing about this now. And often the things that I write about don't actually end up happening for a little while. And then we start talking about inflation. Everyone's going like, fuck, inflation's here, but we were writing about that 12 months ago, right? So we're learning these things ahead of them happening to try and get ourselves ready. Because 
I've found that being proactive with my finances and my decision making and getting myself steeled and ready to rumble, I'm a lot. I'm in a lot better place. And we'll talk about that in the next episode around recessions and getting yourself ready for that. But when you come to accept these things and these seasons that come and go, you, I find, are more ready for them when they actually happen rather than finding out on the news, oh, we're in a recession and like, fuck, what does that mean? And, and all of a sudden you're hearing all this negativity and doom and gloom and so then you're going there as well. So this was uh, uh, lesson 103 I think we're up to. Uh, was more of a, a warm-up for what we're going to be talking about. Obviously, last week we spoke about Lotto, and that was a bit of fun. But we're getting into kind of some more boringish economy-type stuff, but I think it's important for you to learn about. So bear with me. It's quite grunty and long, this one. So let's get into it. The world is changing, and it's changing very quickly. Righto, Luke, how many of you went out and bought a Scratchy or a Lotto ticket? Hey, come on. I know some of you did. Last week's Money Mail was a popular one. It really was. There's so many people that messaged and uh, got a lot of engagement and stuff, which was cool. And it's probably just due to the fact that Lotto is so well known, right? And for those wondering, I had to use a, a zero in the content rather than an O when spelling Lotto as the old spam filter on the platform I used to pick, send out the email was like, no, we're not going to send this. I can only assume that it thought that I was um, trying to scam people with some sort of state, starting up some Lotto, but that's not uh, what was happening. So that's why it was spelt with an O, uh, a zero rather than an O. It was picking up uh, the $1.5 billion L word that was Lotto. Now, how many of you went out and invested an extra $20 or $40? Now, that's probably the smart thing to do, right? Now, given that inflation is at record highs, annual inflation is at 6.9% for the year to March 31. There are probably many of you feeling that it's impossible to invest or save right now. Now, I don't blame you. We are in very testing times. Now, if you listen to the media and the cost of living crisis, that's the terminology that people everyone's kind of grabbed onto, quite smart from National, but I've sort of put that in and infiltrated people's minds with that to probably lead into the election next year and say like, hey, Labor's created this, we can help solve it. And that's kind of my view of what's happening there. But people will pick up and they'll keep talking about that because it just sort of rolls off the tongue, right, oh, we're in a cost of living crisis. Now, what that does for people is they think then, well, how could I invest because I don't have any money left over to invest? But what we know and we've learned that we need to pay ourselves and save and invest first, right, not last, not at the end of the week. But again, most people will do it the other way around and now they've got an excuse to, well, I can't, I can't save, I can't invest because inflation's taking my money and everything's gotten more expensive, food, petrol, blah, 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 blah. So therefore I can't invest. And now people have got potentially two years of excuse making as to why they can't invest. Now, I'm not saying that it's not hard out there and I don't blame you because we are in very testing times, but... Are you going to go another two years with not finding any solutions? Because this could be two to five to ten years of inflation. Like, we don't know yet. And if you decide, okay, well, I'm going to wait till the other side of this to start investing again and blah, 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 you're going to be massively disadvantaged compared to those people who find a way through a tough time, find a way through inflation, decide to mow the neighbor's lawns and pull in an extra 50 and they've beaten inflation. You know, all of those little things, you've got to figure out how you're going to fight back. Now last week, a reader explained how they had always put 1% of their income into an investment fund. So someone replied to my lotto email and they said, Luke, I thought you might like this story. And what they did is they had a business, but you could do this too, and they just put 1% of their income into a rainy day account, but then that started to build up and they didn't need to touch it. And so then they thought, well, let's just invest this and we'll keep putting 1% into it. And they never stopped putting that 1% in. And they ended up never really needing the rainy day account as well. Now, decades on, they've got an entirely different looking retirement. 
And I think this is a really inspiring and cool story of how these small decisions we make and commit to over long periods of time can give us a completely different life. So they weren't setting out to have this baller as a fund that by the time they retired they can call upon and go and do all these crazy things and fund things. They were just thinking, let's invest 1% of our total income every week, every month, every year, and if we need that money for an emergency, it's going to be there. And the emergencies didn't come. They got through some tough times without needing to dip into it, etc. And then it become shit. We've got a stack of cash sitting there that's been in a fund over decades. We're not just talking, you know, six to, to a year. You know, over decades they'd been doing this, and they're now going shit. When we retire, we've got ourselves sorted. So amazing how, you know, a one percent change in your income over time can be the difference between a fruitful entire uh, retirement and uh, a tough one. So that they've created op- options and opportunities for themselves that they never really intended on doing. So maybe just think about that and just how a 1% change could be the difference between uh, a life that you never dreamed of later on in life, you know, we're thinking decades here, rather than just thinking about the next 6 to 12 months in a year's time. So if you're struggling to make ends meet right now, think about saving 1% or investing 1% and just the same, just to keep the habit going, don't give up. Because investing also is, is about building habits, right? So we're trying to do things that sometimes are fucking hard to do, but our habits teach us, well, I should do this. I should brush my teeth. I know I should do this. I can't be bothered. I've come home after a 16 lagers. I'm just going to go straight to bed. No, nah, no. Nah. Drink some water, brush the dentures, etc. That's when we need our habits to kick in. So when the wheel gets shaky, can our habits override our thinking, oh, like I can't really afford to. I've had to top up the extra petrol. It's cost me more. Like I'm not going to invest this this month. Just invest 1%. Just do something. Don't give up because otherwise we start to reset our habits and they're very hard to pick back up down the track. Oh, yeah, I used to invest, but um, no, I stopped because of X, Y, Z. Or I used to contribute to KiwiSaver, but I stopped because of X, Y, Z. And I just never got going again. I got used to the amount of money that I had. And, and that's how uh, we end up looking back going, fuck, you know, how did I get left behind when others didn't? So remember, everything starts with a decision. Now recently, our Reserve Bank increased the official cash rate by 0.5%, which is very rare, but was expected by many. Interest rates from the banks end up going up. Most of the banks had already sort of increased their rates and priced this in, and now people are going to face higher mortgage costs. This shouldn't be of a shock to you, because as a long-term reader or listener of Money Mail, this is stuff we've already spoken about, and we've understood what the Reserve Bank is and who they are, what the official cash rate is, and inflation, and we were talking about this stuff months and months ago, if not a year ago. It was very clear all of this was coming. Now if you're wondering how we got here, you've got some prior reading to catch up on. There's a back catalogue of podcasts or blogs on the website. If you're just tuning into Money Mail, you need to sort of go back and start getting back through some of the early lessons because I'm not just repeating the same shit week after week. There is some crossover, but it's kind of current for what's going on. So you've missed a stack of lessons if you are just tuning in. So go back and get into those. See if you can listen to me in 1.5 or 2 times speed and just get yourself educated. Maybe look at the titles of some of the pods and think, what are the ones I need to learn about? Now, as you know, the Reserve Bank increases the official cash rates to try and slow down inflation. In a nutshell, they raise the official cash rate. The principle or theory is that then the banks will increase their interest rates and you who uh, you and I who borrow will end up having to pay more in interest, which will decrease the amount of money we've got, and the banks collect that, and we can't spend as much in the old economy, and therefore inflation may slow down because we are transacting less. So that's kind of the uh, the theory of 
how an official cash rate will slow down inflation. Now, the USA are looking to do the same. This sent the share market into a bit of a tailspin as higher interest rates can mean fewer profits for companies and bigger investors can favour other investment types. When interest rates are really low, right, people don't want their money in a savings account or some bond or some shitty uh, interest-bearing account and they're like, fuck it, let's take some risk and let's get some returns from the share market and the tech stocks and up and the, the stocks that are paying dividends and stuff. But as interest rates start to return higher, people go, ah, fuck that, I'd probably just be safer to put it in a term deposit. Let's just keep it safe. I'm happy with 3 4 5% uh, in, in a return and maybe that's what's going to happen if these interest rates continue to increase. So then the shares and stuff can take a bit of a hit, right? And we've seen some of the shares, especially tech stocks, get absolutely smashed in this last... Um, 12 months. Now the powers that be in the states are talking tough about fighting inflation and doing something to help. So in turn the markets react. So we've got some massive volatility over there in the states and you'd know that if you've been investing in the US. Now this is going to be tough for them because today we learnt that the US GDP, that's gross domestic product, fell by 1.4% for the March quarter. The first quarterly fall since early in the pandemic. This is a major turnaround from the final quarter of 2021 that saw 6.9% growth in the US economy slash GDP gross domestic product. Let's not get too caught up about what uh, gross domestic product is, but basically the economy in the US is starting to contract and it's not growing, it's actually going backwards. Everyone loves growth, don't we? So earlier in the year we spoke about how this was going to be a bumpy year for investors and it looks like the roller coaster is headed for full speed. Now if you invest in tech stocks, in the US, you've probably seen your portfolio get smashed this year. So far this year, we've already seen new variants for COVID, China lockdowns, massive New Zealand protests, war, and Elon Musk buying Twitter. The world just keeps bringing us unprecedented one in a hundred year events, doesn't it? So just remember, like, this shit is just going to keep happening. The world's just going to get fucking weirder and weirder, and we've got to navigate our way through it. Back to New Zealand, and there's a lot of chat around around housing prices as well, because these are allegedly set to drop. Even if they do, it's hard to see them eroding the entire gains that the financial settings allowed to occur over the last two years. Some houses were up by 45%. But that's no help for those people who brought at the top of the market and, fa- and are now faced with high levels of debt and higher interest rates. If I were these people, I'll be watching the Keep the Change More Money webinar or listening to the audio via the podcast to get wise up to get a wise up on ways to bring more income into my household. Because the boring chat from the battlers that talk to you about, I'll oh, just buy one less latte a week, you know, oh, get a grip. Now, that's not going to help. And that's not going to get people out of a hole. That's not actually going to make too much of a difference when your interest rate is increasing by 100% or 50%. Now, if your interest rate's going from 2% to 3%, that's a 50% increase in your interest cost. One fucking latte a week isn't going to solve that or uh, create a solution too. So be careful if you're following these battler people who are going to tell you crap like that, that really isn't going to make too much of a difference. Anyone can create a stock image about that and call themselves a bloody financial guru or influencer or who cares. Uh, and some people, prob- they probably take the piss out of me and be like, oh, look at this guy with all the stuff he's doing, what would he know? And all good, fair enough, who cares? Uh, but we've all got to take responsibility of our shit and figure out how we're going to get through these things. So you've got to actually do something. You've got to actually take some action. So do some learning and figure out, okay, if I'm in that situation, how the fuck am I going to get myself out of it? or ensure that uh, I can look after myself. Mate of mine, for instance, last two weekends, checked in with him, what he been up to? This week I'm cutting firewood and selling it, beauty, more money in the pocket. Next week, what's he doing? He's on a farm. Oh, mate, I'm getting some goats in and I'm selling some goats. He's willing to do it. Most people, ah, nah, sit home for the weekend, might watch the rugby, 
Netflix, yeah, I sign up to Disney as well or whatever the latest subscription is and just fucking waste away their week and then sit there and be like, oh, I can't believe interest rates have gone up and oh, my budget's just blown to bits now and I can't do any investing and this is bullshit and hopefully in the 2023 election my world's going to change and everything's going to get better. It's not. Go catch some goats and cut some fucking firewood and sort yourself out. Ooh, okay. Um, I won't edit that bit out. I don't edit any of this out, to be fair. But uh, trying to get a bit of banter for you there. But honestly, you just have to take some action for yourself, okay? Because no one's coming to save you. The Reserve Bank isn't. The banks aren't. The banks aren't going to be like, oh, yeah, you gutted that the interest rates have gone up. That's all good. We'll, we'll take yours back down. Yeah, cool. You're right. You carry on with Disney and Netflix for the weekend. That's all good. You don't need to change the way you're living. Now, for those of you who are still looking at buying, if that's what you really want, well, I think you shouldn't give up. You need to build a plan as to how and when it will be possible and then work to that plan. Actually speak to a mortgage advisor and understand the lay of the land plus where you stand. Say I was going to buy a property in six months, I'd be ringing a mortgage advisor being like, hello, what do I need to do? What do I need to do for the next six months? And they're going to tell you, well, you know what, it's not going to be six months, it's probably going to be 12 or it's probably going to be 18. These are some of the things you need to do and now you know what you're aiming towards. Most people just roll up when they want to buy a house and go, can I buy this house? And have this entitlement of like, well surely, surely I can just buy a house. Isn't it my God-given right? I live in New Zealand, it's their favourite pastime to buy a house. Then they find out, mm, nah, you can't actually really afford to and you can't do that and they get all upset and then they find solutions with the bank of mum and dad and things like that. So actually... Get yourself educated ahead of the transaction you're trying to make. And don't just give up because, you know, you could end up buying into the narrative that housing's too risky, we're at the top, it's going to crash and all this stuff. But remember 12 months ago, the narrative was the reserve uh, was the reverse and everyone was looking down the noses at those that weren't heading to a bloody open home on the weekend. Oh, what are you doing this weekend? Oh, got an open home, mate. Yeah, I got a six to get through. Oh yeah, good on you, good on you, let me know how you go. Now it's like, oh, are you going to open it? Oh, fuck, don't you know, houses are going to crash, like, oh, it's too risky. And this stuff just comes and goes, but if you really want a house, well, you've got to figure out how you're going to make that happen and what changes in your life that you need to make to ensure that you can have the things that you want. Now, that means that there's going to be a lot of people that are going to give up right, because they're going to go, well, it's just too hard, they've heard that it's out of reach, and that may, be, may well be true for some, but not for everyone. So if you want something bad enough, figure out how to make that happen and how you can sustainably manage that situation. You and I may well see houses in zoos around New Zealand soon as they seem to be a protected species. What I mean by this is that as much as the Reserve Bank can chat about bringing the house price down, and I genuinely think that they are and that it is, it is reducing, but it gets propped up everywhere you look. A couple of weeks ago we were talking about how the Kayanga Aura Partnership Scheme allows you to partner with the government to be able to buy your property. Effectively, that's just propping up the price because it's allowing people that can't afford a house to buy a house. Now, that's kind of celebrated by some because they're like, well, that's great. That's a great scheme. But for other people, they're like, well, hang on. Like, I'm disadvantaged by this because I don't need to do that. But now there's people that are propping up by bidding on these houses because they can use some of the government's money. And also, you look at KiwiSaver. Well, it's designed for us to improve our retirement because we've got low uh, savings rates around retirements. What do they do? I'll tell you what, you can draw it all out and buy a fucking house. Really? Like, isn't that the reverse of what we're trying to get people to do? Have money for their retirement? But of course some people will be like, no, no, but you know, a house is a great retirement asset and they're going to live in that. Get a grip. Are people buying their first home actually going to live in that house when they retire? Chances, oh, but they're allowed to get on the property ladder and once you're on the property ladder you can just keep moving out. Yeah, cool, all that good stuff. But when you think about it, we just keep propping the housing market up everywhere we look. And there's just 
continued doing of that because 25% of our New Zealand economy is built and based on the housing market. So if we let that motherfucker drop, we're going to be in a lot of trouble. So I can't see it actually going back to prices that you know, are way below pre-pandemic prices. It was already nuts the way it was growing anyway. Sure, there will be some erosion, but again, regression to the mean. What that means is that people will do the things that they've always done and will just continue to get the results we've always got. And everything will settle down, the narratives will change, and more people will buy houses and they'll get transacted and we'll probably look back in 10 years and be like, how is a first home buyer uh, supposed to have $3 million now? But in 10 years' time, a heap more boomers have died, they've uh, left money behind to millennials and younger people and they've pushed up the uh, the prices of housing and it just goes on and on and on. So don't give up just because everyone else is. And if everyone else is giving up, good. Maybe there's more opportunity for you there. Now, as a nation, we say one thing. So we say that we want sustainable, stable house prices and enough houses for everyone, but we do another. We watch the prices get artificially increased by offering easy access and solutions to non-affordability, i.e. the different Kiwi Saver type schemes and the Kayanga Aura Partnership schemes, which we've just highlighted. Now, that means that uh, the housing market is going to be a very interesting one for us to watch this year. So we're going to write about that more later in the year as things go on. Now, whatever you invested your wealth in over the last couple of years, we are all in for a bumpy old ride, aren't we? A bumpy ride usually means we lose the old person to car sickness. So some battler is going to get car sickness and they're going to get out of the car and they're going to spew up and they're not going to get back in. They're going to just walk the rest of the journey. Now, together... We need to make it through, and we need to find our way to the other side, right? So there is a chance, as always, in bumpy times and in tough times to learn and to learn more about ourselves. Can you stay in the car? Can you keep learning? Can you focus on the future and where you're trying to go? This is a great time to learn more about yourself and the economy and just everything that's going on. So keep your ears and eyes open because it's literally all happening out there in the world right now. Have a good weekend. I'll be watching out the window, finishing my COVID isolation. It finally got me. Don't worry, I'm okay. I was inundated with messages from people saying, I hope you're okay with COVID. I'm not. I'm, I'm joking. I was not. Absolutely no messages. I thought someone may, but um, now I'm really cared. So it just shows that COVID's now got to the point where if you have it, no one really cares. It's just like, meh, you know, whatever is what it is. So very interesting. Uh, how quickly that's changed. Stay safe, or, or maybe people just don't read these emails, but stay safe out there. I mean, I'm through the other side now because it's a week on since writing this. Now, you're one of 5,000 plus recipients. Is there someone you can forward this to? Remember, if you tag and keep the change on your social medias, we're keeping an eye on that, and someone's going to win a $200 Shearsies voucher every month, and we've already given away one of those. Did you know, consuming New Zealand found across the country, 48% of all children who brought a house had support from their parents. That's nearly one in two. One in two children who brought a house had support from their parents. The average con- contribution being 108000 That was in The Guardian where I read that. Now, One News had a similar story, but they reported that 61% of parents helped contribute to their adult children's house deposit. Now, one's 61 and one's 48, so there's a bit of a difference there. But anyway, about hundred grand is what uh, parents are passing down to their children to be able to buy a house. Again, that's propping up the house market. And that sucks for some of you who don't have parents who are minted and can't give you a hundred grand. But you know, that's how we're getting further inequality and uh, a divide between the haves and the have nots. And that's just part of it. So as much as we say we want to solve that, well it's not going to stop one and two parents helping their kids into property, is it? They want to see them because they were so invested in property themselves and they loved it and 
Um, it's just that the, the root of like all the success of being a Kiwi. So one or two parents are like, oh, you can't afford a house? Fucking here you go. Here's 100 rack. Get on the board. Um, but the other 50% of people, they don't have that luxury. So... You know, that's just uh, it's just one of those complicated factors or complicating factors in trying to solve a crisis in New Zealand or a crisis or a shortage of houses and, um, you know, a, a gap between the haves and have not. So I think we're going to still see these things, no matter what things we put in place, just slowly dying over here. I think I'm half an hour might be my mark. I need to re-up on the old bloody oxygen and uh, go again for round two, but... We're going to continue to see these problems in society because humans will just do what's always in their best interest, right? Like if, yeah, anyway, let's not even go down too far down that path right now, but uh, there's some data for you. I hope you've uh, had your eyes open with that lesson and, and got yourself started because we're going to dig a little bit deeper into some of these things and in the next lesson we're going to be talking about recession. So we'll see you next week.